Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and alongside me on the airwaves is Mr Rob Hayes in For Fox Sake HQ2. How are we doing, Rob? All right? Football's over. I'm sad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... That's it. That's all I've got for you. No, no, it's it's just weird because we've um, obviously actually had to prepare something for this podcast rather than just ringing each other up a couple of minutes before and going, right, press record, cool. Um, and it's the first time really that I've thought about looking back, you know, because I wasn't at the last game of the season. I normally try to get to the last game of the season just because it's, uh, it's always a nice occasion, but it's also a way to sort of realise that you're saying goodbye to the season really so actually sitting and prepping for today's podcast is the first time I've really thought oh it's over and all we've got really is Nations League to look forward to this summer yippee yeah and there was no event at all on the final day it really was just a um a, a, a walk in the sun really do you know both both sides were on the beach in theory I know they got the the big final in um in Baku which is turning into more of a farce by the day. Um, looking forward to going to that one via a million flights. and oh, it's, it's a complete disaster, really. But uh, Oh, you're there, are you? I'm there, yeah. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> um, yeah, well, at least you're going there on indirectly on behalf of UEFA. So they've kind of got to work out a way for you to get there that's not crossing a million borders in the back of some dodgy truck through the middle of, the, of Eastern Europe. No, I mean we probably. No, we know we know what the obviously the travel problems are for the for the club being you know UEFA obviously sorted mine out and it's I mean and again I'm, I'm not so you know feel sorry for me, do you know what I mean going going to like a big European final work working there obviously but I'm you know I'm going to Istanbul then to Baku and then from Baku on the way back go to Minsk, Minsk to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to, to Gatwick, so it is just a a real not a why they've put played there anyway. That's we all know what the uh, the scenario is, and we all know why, and it's just all money into it. But uh, yeah, and it's 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 just a nightmare. And and the thing is, Leicester possibly could be there next year. There's no reason uh, that we can't be in Europe. Uh, in Europe, that's the aim and uh, the possibilities over the last few years that that we could have been in the Europa League final, possibly or or wherever. And so when you have Arsenal and Chelsea fans struggling to get there, and there's only going to be a, a you know a handful of thousand from each club, it it could easily be less. That's how you got to kind of think about it nowadays. But yeah, it's just a mess all around. But anyway, anyway, none of that talk. Um, it's the end of season special. It's the end of season episode. Um, now, obviously, with what's happened in this season, what do we do? Do we go over? Every single game, like we've done before, do we rate the players like we've done before? Do we uh, pick out moments of the season? Do we pick out kind of awards or or, or whatever? It's 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 an awkward one because of um, what happened at, at Leicester this year. Oh, there's my uh, 
There's my laptop because I've got the uh, the squad in front of me actually with the uh, uh, for when we do go through the players. I think the the thing with Leicester and 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 the way that I was thinking about it over the last few days was when we do a look back at the season, the only one only thing that we can do is look back at the players in terms of how they've played and also with every single player look forward to if they're still going to be with us next year and and where would we play them would we have them in our in our team but also when we do a, a look back at the season we 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 kind of don't the look back at the season is looking forward because the season is all now been and gone and there's going to be a big line through the, through this season for obvious reasons, but also with the fact that we've got now Brendan in charge and uh, a really good end of season, everything's looking forward. Everything is looking forward. So the look back is looking forward, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think things have happened this season, obviously, on and off the pitch that, that will um, shape the way the football club is for quite a few years to come. But that in itself is a reason to look forward. You know, I mean, if you if you're summing up the season very, very quickly, you'd say that it was a difficult one for Claude Puel. He's come in, he had a job to do. He had to take away a bit of the dependence on senior squad players, blood in some youth, did exactly that. Um, helped us to think about becoming more comfortable in possession, did that. Um, and he was almost really the 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 victim of his own relative success in terms of reshaping the the squad and and the football that we played uh and then obviously the 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 passing of Vichai and and then a, a mid-table finish i think that the, that's pretty much it there's not really any point in going through it because also the fact that yeah if you wanted to go through it in more detail listen back to all of our podcasts but you know we, our podcasts even though we t- try to be quite level-headed our podcasts were, were as up and down as the the season was we'd come out of one game going oh my goodness me we're the best team in the league and you'd play like four days later and you'd say oh we're the worst team in the league so I think it'd be quite painful to go through parts of it <laughs> I, I agree it's and again because of all the positivity around the club at the moment again we'll just look forward but it, it, it really does bring it all back after the final game of the season then you think crikey or all you know that, that all did happen you know around the obviously the accidents and because obviously there's games going on all the time, football can it doesn't it doesn't heal anything. But football takes the headlines. It takes everyone's attention when there's a game every you know four or five days or every week or so. And then when there isn't any football, that's when you do look back and then you kind of go over what's happened, not just off the field but on the field as well. Uh, but uh, I just feel that I think it should be looking forward. We will go through the players though. And I think it's important to 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 do that. And I think I think we should just go straight into it, Robert. To be honest, we'll go through every single player, okay, and then we'll we'll basically give a rating out of ten. So play along at home as well, whether you're listening in the car, listening uh, in the kitchen whilst cooking or wherever. Um, give your rating for that player when we say their name, and then let's see whether we match up, etc. And we'll go through there. But also we'll have a real a real strong word on their future at the club. Again, this is all about looking to the future. So we'll talk about their rating for the season, roughly how well they did, but more about how they look forward, whether they're part of 
what we perceive to be the plans of the future. What do you reckon, Rob? Do you reckon that's a, a bit of a plan? I think that's a reasonable way to go about it. <laughs> okay, then. Um, I'll tell you what, let's start with number one. And number one... Makes sense. It's crazy. What a crazy idea. Start with number one. Number one is Casper Schmeichel. Um, now, on my list, I've got Schmeichel down as an eight. Um, and I've got an eight because he's had, for me, a decent season. Nothing spectacular, nothing horrendous. Just a, 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 a good season for him. And also, you're looking forward... We know about Schmeichel and his distribution, which annoys probably more fans than pleases. Occasionally, he can get it really right. End of the season, setting up a goal. But also, his distribution out wide, again, can go to a player's feet. But it is very frustrating. It seems that Brendan wants to do that more, and we'll just see how that evolves. But I don't think there's any danger in Schmeichel not being at Leicester next year. No, I don't think so. Not from his point of view or from Brendan Rodgers' point of view either. I've also given him an eight. Um, he's made some very, very big saves this season, as you'd expect. He's a he's a top-class goalkeeper. Um, no real clangers, actually, because we've had to talk about him in past years on the podcast about um, sort of glaring errors. And I can't really recall any serious ones this season. And his leadership is massively important to the team. You know, when we were going through that sticky spell under Puel, you can imagine having a character like Kasper Schmeichel in the dressing room and on the training ground. And regardless of how bad things are going, he's the kind of uh, person, well, as the as the vice captain of the club, to to try and lead you through that. A, a word on the distribution. It's a problem because we haven't got a way of getting the ball up the pitch that makes it stay there without using the touchline as a bit of an extra half a man, if you like. Because we haven't got anybody in our final third that's going to win a ball in the air or that's going to take it into their chest and look after it. So he has to try and hit the springy fullbacks up sort of near the halfway line. Um, but under the proviso that if he overhits it, it's going to go out for a throw-in and at least you're up the pitch. And and it's not really kicking away possession, but that's the way it has to be. But I, I do think that under Rodgers, and particularly as he, as he learns more about the players and they learn more about his style of play. He mentioned, didn't he, in, I think it was an evening with Brendan Rodgers where he had a fans forum thing at the King Power that he was still some fairly significant tactical tweaks that he wanted to make. I, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those is seeing Maguire, Evans, Chilwell, P- Ricardo, whoever's playing in the back four, almost sitting on the sides of our penalty areas like we've seen teams like Liverpool and Man City do so that we can actually keep the ball and move it through the thirds rather than having to to launch it so I think there might be a change in the distribution there but I agree it is frustrating but I mean what else can you do you'd rather him do that than just lump it straight down the middle for a six foot five Premier League centre-back to beat Jamie Vardy in the air yeah I, I agree it's um it's it's a bit of an issue as well because when next season starts there will be the rule change where if you pass the ball as a goalkeeper from a goal kick outside of your penalty area, and if a player then steps into the penalty area to receive the ball, that would be automatically given as a retake of the goal kick. So if a lot of players are closing you down, you can just receive the ball, just just step into the penalty area, and you kind of get away with it. That won't be the case next year. So it will mean that there might be a few people caught out, and 
because Leicester play that way, it, 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 they'll need to sort it out. They'll need to uh, really work on that. And I can see there being many issues at the start of next season. Uh, many teams, because this is the way that football's going, being caught out that way. And hopefully Leicester make advantage of it as well, because we've got Jamie Vardy up front, who would be probably one of the main centre-forwards who would actually um, actually do that. So from number one, you go, we'll bypass Danny Simpson, because A, he's no longer at the club, so he's not going to be there looking at next year, and he's not really got a look in. So we go to number three, Ben Chilwell. And Chilwell, for me, was one of the hardest ones to rate. I've, I, Because he came back postseason, fantastic. It looked better in terms of his size, in terms of pace, just grown up as a footballer. And then in parts, dropped away, then looked really impressive. He's a real um, focal point of the team going down that left. Distribution at the end still very poor. Um, for me, I've, I've given him a seven. Okay, I've gone a bit higher up to eight because I think this is um, his... We, we've known about him for a long time, but I think nationally and internationally, this is his real emergence season. And I think that's epitomised by the fact that he has in my eyes and I think in many other neutral fans eyes been become England's first choice left back I don't I don't see who at left back is better than him in an England shirt at the moment um yeah all right he's he's still got little areas of his game to work on but I think having Christian Fuchs at the club for another year is going to be a massive boost to him because Fuchs technically is very very sound footballer and I think that's uh, ultimately the extra thing that Chilwell needs to add because work rate is there defense defensively is massively improved this season um it's just the final pass or decision or ball or cross particularly in the middle and final thirds so I've given him an eight but I think he's got lots more room to grow still but I can see why where you've come from with a seven but I've got I've gone for eight. It it is awkward because he he was going to be a nine after about October and then it dropped away and you're kind of basing it upon maybe the possibilities of what could have been. But then again, he did. I'm just being a slightly maybe too critical there. But Henry, that's mine. It might be different. Yours is obviously different. Everyone else's might be different. I'm a bit like Le Keep in, uh, over in France, who rate everyone about three or four out of ten with every game. But uh, one of their first, I think they've had five. You get newspapers give ratings out of ten every game, but it is Le Keep, isn't it? Who who are notoriously really really strict on their on their ratings. And I think it was the game. I think it was Dusan Tadic against. Real Madrid when Ajax advanced he was only like the fifth player ever in the in the long history of that uh of that publication to be given a 10 out of 10 so uh, I'm I'm more that way yours is more um yours is more the mirror <laughs> I'm a bit nicer than you full stop anyway <laughs> on we'll to, see uh, I mean we've only got two players through here this could this could all very much change yeah yeah we'll we'll, we'll, we'll step foot on the gas right number four um, Kagla Soyuncu, that's probably the best I've ever pronounced his name. It is, yeah. I was, I was impressed with that. I was waiting for that. That was this was going to be the highlight of the show. Um, for me, it'll have to be a seven because he's looked decent when he's played. He hasn't played a lot. He'll be there next year unless something happens, unless he 
someone comes in with a bid or they're going to send him out on loan or, or whatever. But I will give him a seven because he's looked decent. He just hasn't broken into the side full time. So I think a seven is probably about right, he says with a question mark. I've gone for a six ah. only because I think he's looked good on the ball. He looks positive. He looks like he wants to play, which is the modern centre-back and is definitely the the kind of centre-back that Brendan Rodgers wants because he needs ball-playing footballers all over the pitch. Uh, he's, been a, he's a bit rash. He's a bit of a, a Ben Luan slash Bamba kind of... He's, got, he's a bit eccentric for, for me from the little that we've seen of him. Um, but I think that is purely down to the fact that he probably feels like he needs to impress... Uh, on the rare opportunities that he gets in the first team. Uh, interesting, you said he'd probably be at the club next season. I would be tempted, half tempted. I mean, it depends. You know, if you if you go to the system where you... I'm not saying this is going to happen, but Brennan Rodgers has toyed with the idea of three three centre-backs. If you go three centre-backs, he has to stay at the club because that means that with Benkovic coming back, you've got five centre-backs. You've got adequate cover for that formation. If we continue only playing four... I would be tempted to give him the first half of the season at a mid to bottom half of the Premier League table um, team just to say, yeah, have five, ten games in a row in English football, get used to the league, get used to um, the style of play, and then we'll have another look at you with, with a recall clause so it doesn't put us in any, in any danger of being short at the back. But... You know, if Benkovic comes back, I've watched a bit of Benkovic um, on telly and that. I've not actually seen him play live. Rodgers will have a much better idea, obviously, because he played under him at Celtic. But if Benkovic comes back and we're only playing four at the back, for me, soon to to go out, even if it's a short-term, three-month, two-month loan, you know, just to get a few games under his belt, I think that would do him the world of good. I think so as well. Uh He's obviously going to be in the plans because he's a big money signing and he's only 22 and we we know he's a decent player. But I think he might be suffering because of the, the lack of the lack of game time. He's not one of these people who have come through from the youth team who have never really experienced anything apart from that setup. So when you've been playing first-team football for a number of years and then all of a sudden you're not for not just six or seven games for a season, you know, it will take an effect. So maybe maybe that could be the best way of, of going about things. I think I've got to agree with you there. Um, on to Wes Morgan, number five, who will be there next year because he signed that extra deal. It was one of the first things that Brendan Rodgers mentioned. Uh, for me, I have got, and we are obviously big fans of Wes, and I think everyone would know I'm going to give a decent one. I'm going to give him an eight because... He has played plenty of games, played well, and Wes Morgan will always make one or two mistakes, like everyone does, but they seem to be really highlighted. But also, he had a spell where he was playing some very good football as well, which was maybe surprising for a guy of his age um, at his stage of his career. And so I think if you look back overall for him this season, I think he has played well. He's obviously now not the first-choice centre-half at the club with Evans and Maguire. 
But I still think, for a season rating, I'm going to go with an eight. Yeah, I don't think Wes would have signed a new one-year deal if he didn't know exactly where he stood. He'll have sat with Brendan Rodgers. Brendan will have set out the plans short-term, mid-term, long-term. And he w- I would imagine that he'd have been honest with him because that's what Wes Morgan deserves. He's been a fantastic servant to this club and will continue to be so. And definitely this season, I had eight down as well. I think he still obviously has a big part to play at, at the club in the dressing room and on the pitch. Uh, I put rarely lets us down, but I think that's actually doing him a disservice because, as you say, he has delivered some standout performances this season. uh, A few times where you think, oh my goodness, we were in trouble here, and he comes up absolutely nowhere. Defending is in his genetic makeup, pretty much. He is one of the best out-and-out defenders that we've had at the club in in the recent history, I'd say. Just, uh, all right, he's not as good on the ball as Maguire etc. He's not as quick as X, Y and Z, but in terms of out and out defending and getting your body between the ball and the goal, there are few better that have been at the club since the likes of Walsh and Elliot. You know, he's he's of that mould and he's a, a, as good a leader as they were. Um, and I think he thoroughly deserves an 8 out of 10 for this season. Now the next guy is Johnny Evans, £3 million signing. Remember his first couple of games? Remember his first first start? Oh, my Leicester? goodness me. He looked terrible. Absolutely all over the place. He couldn't stand up. I don't, he, he's not going to be scared. He's a umpteen caps for Northern Ireland. He's played for Manchester United. He's played for a lot of big clubs and very experienced. But for some reason, it's it like he was like he was half cut. Do you know what I mean? It, it, was, it was really weird, but... He he's turned into well even turned into he's played, especially in the second half of the season like the guy that we thought that we've signed a real calm and influence really top class defender, a defender of which I think a lot of clubs out there have looked at and gone, what have we done? How have we missed that boat? And I am going to give Johnny Evans. I am going to it's it's awkward because do you go with a nine for his very good second half of the season. Do you go with an... I'm going to go with an eight. So I'm going to go back with an eight. Just purely because it wasn't overall... I don't think... Yeah, I'm going to go with an eight. Well, I've gone for the nine. Ah. I've gone for it because I've I've written on my copious amounts of notes, the little scribbles, one of the biggest transfer bargains... In our club's history. How on earth can you sign a player of that quality and that experience for that amount of money? It is unbelievable. And yeah, all right. He had those couple of wobbles. Um, Was it a lack of fitness? Was it a niggling injury at the start of the season? Who knows? But he very quickly became one of the most crucial players on the Leicester City team sheet for me this season. Our defence looks... So much more assured with him in it. Uh, every time you could put Morgan and Maguire as the two centre-backs, you think individually, I mean, we'll talk about Maguire, we'll rate him when we get down to his number. We've just sang Wes Morgan's praises from the rooftops, but you put Morgan and Maguire in the same back four and you don't trust it anywhere near as much as you trust it with Johnny Evans in it. And that's the point that we've got to here is he is, for me, 
an absolute necessity in our back four. And that is based on his performances this season for us. And therefore, I had to give him a nine. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because when you look to next season, it's who's playing alongside him. We'll talk about Maguire, who many people will say, well, hang on, he's the first choice. But we'll go on to him in terms of whether he's going to be there next season, etc., no one's going to come in for Evans, you would think. You never know. Someone might make a bid, but they might need that one player for a year or two and go, do you know what? Let's just throw 30 million to Leicester and and, and see what happens, whether they would say yes or no. You never know. That, that could easily happen. I think if I was in charge of one of the big clubs and you, you've got plenty of money and you've got a, a space at centre-half and you need someone for a year or two, why not? Why not make a bid like that? It seems very odd to buy someone for three million who's in their 30s and then sell them for 30 odd million. but you never know what happens in football. On to number seven. Damari Gray. Very this could interesting. be interesting, couldn't it? Hey, This could be interesting. Mm. Now, he's played a lot. He's had his chance. He's a good player. I'm obviously a big critic, have have always been. And I'm a big critic because stats are one thing. Stats can tell all sorts. And and they're a good way of basing basing an argument, but also they can discover and and, and, and and throw up some real weird anomalies. But you can't get away from the fact that DeMar Gray's stats aren't great. He doesn't score. He doesn't really set up. He's not, in my opinion, a footballer who might progress with Brendan. And I don't mean that in the sense of Brendan doesn't like to take young footballers and improve them because we've seen throughout his career that he can. I just don't think that Gray can. He's had chances now and I don't see him being good enough to maybe figure in Leicester's future if we're going to go the same way that we all hope, and that's upwards and sign some top-class players. I think it's it's counted as well that the last few games of the season, he didn't start and also rarely came on. Um, so for me, uh, I'm going to say that DMR Gray, I'm going to go with a five because, again, he had that chance. And when you're in a position of being a winger and we've gone over it many times about getting the ball early this and but he's had a lot of chances and I think if you're just looking at a, a, a high end Premier League club, a young winger, lots of starts, and then at the end of the season when everything's going right and you're all looking positive and looking forward, he's not in them plans, that for me you have to mark him down. Yeah, I mean, we have talked and talked and talked and talked about Damari Gray. And there is there I, I can't continue now to say, oh, he's got potential. That that is done for me. He as as you say, you're completely right, he's had so many chances. He I think he's a good player, not a great player, and I think that's it. Um and I think the ambition of the fans, the club, the manager, the players that are at the club and the players that we're looking to sign um, all 
are much are of a much higher level than Damari Gray is capable of reaching. We've been waiting. He's been at the club for years now. He's had chance after chance after chance, and he is just not good enough. And that it, it sounds quite harsh, but I've given him a six because he hasn't really put in any absolutely diabolical performances. But if you had him on the pitch, you would much more expect him to put in a six out of ten performance than you would a ten out of ten performance. He's he just he should be the kind of player that sets the picture like he should be the player that people get excited when he gets the ball when he gets the ball I think right which fullback's going to bump him off it next or what's going to happen because it he's flattered to deceive for far too long for me and I don't know whether it'd be the right thing to to move him on or not to be perfectly honest with you because you can't have a squad of 23 25 great players if we're going back to my previous point that he's a good not a great player so do you keep certain good players as ample backup for injury or tiredness or squad rotation throughout the season or do you just say look you're not good enough to play for the you're not good enough to start in the first team so we should just cash in now I I really I'm on I don't know what it would be best to do with him next season but as you say based on the last few games um He's, he doesn't look like he's first choice in Brendan Rodgers' plans. It is interesting looking at him going forward. For me, I would sell him in terms of if the right offer came in. But if in Demar Gray's mind he's happy to actually be a bit part player, then you would keep him because you he could still turn it around. I don't think he, he can, but it, it might still happen. So if, if he's happy to be part of the squad and not guaranteed a first team, team start then yes keep him but there was rumours about Bournemouth making a, a big bid a, a year or two ago if anyone came in with anything half decent for me it would be a place in the squad where you could look to free up and maybe use those uh, those funds added to some more to then improve the squad and we think that one's uh, quite bad in terms of ratings how about number 8 Kilachi <laughs> Iniacho. Hmm. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Ruben Kalachi. Um I it's we are, I'm trying to take my Leicester hat off and scarf and say, look, this is how well this player has played. I am gonna go with a three because of everything that anyone knows who's seen him play, the miss against Man City, the missed chances against other sides when he's come on, the lack of effort when he's been on the field, the almost doesn't know what system Leicester are playing and where he's meant to fit in, even though he's been told for probably five or six minutes before he's come on. And on top of that, the fact that we know that he can play well because of what happened at Man City when he was a player there and also the flashes that he's shown in a Leicester shirt, especially in his first year. It's gotta be a it's gotta be a three. And also looking forward, do you sell a person who's worth twenty five million pounds at one point in their career? Or do you keep them and do you nurture them? I can completely understand the idea of keeping Iniacho and saying, look, we've signed him for £25 million. There's a good player in there, uh, a new manager. Let's try and get his confidence. Uh, there's no use 
replace selling him and then spending twenty five million pound on someone else. I can I can understand all of them arguments. I just think it's gone too far. I think it's a time to just draw a line through it and go, go and play your football somewhere else. We'll accept a hit on the money, not too much of a hit. You know, I'm not going to offer, not going to accept seven or eight million quid, but go and play your football somewhere else. Do well. It's just not worked. See you later. It's an interesting debate about Ian Atcher, isn't it? I've I've written next to his name on my piece of paper that Brendan Rodgers has a big decision to make in the summer, and I think you've just summed up that decision perfectly well there. The thing that he... I mean, the thing is, we are a different Leicester City now to the one we were under Club Well. Brendan Rodgers is a brand-new manager. Um, you could argue that Ian Atcher has not had much game time under him, but... No striker gets game time when Jamie Vardy's fit. That's just how it is at the moment um, and how it will probably continue to be for the next season at least. But Rodgers will be watching him in training every day. He'll have had conversations with him. He will know whether this is the kind of player that one, he thinks will fit into his plans, but two, he thinks he can get out of what people believe is in him. Um, Manchester City, by all accounts, inserted a, a recall clause, a, a sort of first option on um, on buyback clause kind of thing into the contract, uh, into the sale. And yeah, right, they might do that for every player to cover their backs in case they t- go off and turn off, turn out to be absolute world beaters. But also, as you say, he was scoring goals in a Man City shirt. Um, it's a different style of football, obviously, at Leicester. I think the style of football that Brendan Rodgers wants to play is closer to Manchester City's than any of his predecessors, so that might be a a factor. But look, he just he doesn't score goals. He well, okay, not doesn't he hasn't scored goals. His work rate looks limited. His body language looks terrible. Uh, I read a stat that he scored one goal every nine hundred and thirty minutes last season, which is. Quite frightening, really, for somebody who is paid quite handsomely to score goals and who we paid for quite handsomely to score goals. The money thing, I don't think... I think if if we were financially much worse off would be an issue. Um, I don't... Yeah, I think I think 25 million on a striker, you've, you've, got to, you've got to put a bit more effort into seeing if you can get the ability out of him that you paid the money for. Brendan Rodgers will know what he wants to do with him, but it is quite possibly one of the biggest decisions in the squad, which is not which is a ridiculous thing to say for such a bit part player this season, but it is a big decision to make in the summer. It is. I, I just think the, apple, the apple's fallen too far, if you know what I mean, with, with, with Ineacha, and I think it's a, a case of... He's, he's always going to say the right things as well. Is is Rogers? He's always going to say that everyone's got their chance, and I believe in this player, and we'll see what happens in the summer. And and he's going to say that with every single player. One telling thing was when he missed that chance at Man City straight away. Should have scored. Should have scored. But we'll 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 wait and see. We'll, we'll see what happens. But f- again, for me, I I just draw a line and say, uh, right next and next is number nine, and that's Jamie Vardy. Uh, Jamie Vardy didn't get the 20 goals but scored 18 goals in the Premier League which is the highest amount for an Englishman uh, 
he, he went a long time without scoring under Claude, but then again, he only had about six touches. Overall, it's got to be a nine I'm going to go with. 18 league goals. There's not many more in the Premier League who score more than that. And he could have scored more. He missed a few. He's still looking sharp. He's a centre-forward. He's the hero of the club. It's a 9 out of 10. Number 9 for number 9. Yeah, I've gone for 9 as well. I mean, to get 18 Premier League goals in such a topsy-turvy season, as you say there, where under Puelli was barely seeing the ball for games at a time. Um, he's had a niggling injury as well. The groin, I think, is the main is the main issue. And he's he's ageing. Right, let's not forget that. So for uh, him to continue to come, I mean, he's he's a player that's continued to to prove critics wrong, isn't he? The first million pound non league footballer, all that jazz. Um, but for somebody who chose to retire from England duty, who people are saying Leicester need to get in a replacement for, in a very average season, you've got to say um, where well, we finished pretty much slap bang at the uh, in the middle of the pile to get 18 premier league goals be the highest scoring englishman in the premier league is some achievement 9 out of 10 definitely yeah definitely 9 out of 10 for me james madison number 10 <laughs> um this could be interesting i have gone for and a lot of people might do this. i've gone for a seven because the guy is talented we spent the money spent a lot of money on him and we've bought that talent so when he does something good a free kick for example or a, a nice pass we know he can do that but it's the improvement in a footballer throughout the course of the season is probably why I've marked him down because I don't think he's actually developed as much as I thought he might. That still might happen and we're talking one season. I hope it will. I expect it to. I don't have any doubts that it won't. Physically, he needs to broaden like um, Chilwell did. He needs to stop being able to be shrugged off the ball as easy as he is. But he's got all the talent in the world and he seems like a good lad. He's a good footballer. He's, he has played well in parts. He's been disappointing for me in parts. And he's been disappointing because of the talent we know he has. I think he's going to be a very, very good player and he's going to have a really good career. But for a first season, I'm going to say a seven. This was one of the most difficult ones for me because... There's something about Madison, I don't know whether it's as a as a person that he comes across as or as a football player, that I struggle to like. And, it's, and that's quite rare for me with somebody that pulls on a Leicester shirt and, and plays quite well. Um, but, you know, if you look at the fact that it was his debut season in the Premier League, you look at the fact that he started the majority of the games um, and you look at the fact that he created... A ridiculous amount of chances, judging by the stats. I mean, stats don't tell you the whole story, of course, because I'm about to balance this out with with some constructive criticism, shall we say. Um, I've given him an eight. 
I'll, I'll, I'll put that in there. I've given him an eight because I think all of those positives that I just mentioned are genuine positives. And I think he might get a bit of a worse... Pre- I was just thinking about it just then while you were talking. And he reminds me a little bit of somebody like Riyad Mahrez. They're playing different positions. I'm fully aware of that. But they both don't rely on their physical attributes to make an impact on games. They're both technically very, very good footballers. But the benefit that Riyad Mahrez, the two benefits really that Riyad Mahrez had over James Madison and therefore came in for less criticism generally, although Mahrez still did get quite a lot of stick despite how ridiculously good a footballer he he was for us. Um, And that's the fact that Mahrez played wide right and quite literally played on the touchline. So if he went missing in games, it was fine because he wasn't actually involved in all of the action anyway by the very nature of his position. Whereas James Madison is asked to play usually in a central role. All right, um, more recently when Brendan Rodgers has been playing with three central midfielders, last few games with Chowdhury in particular, Madison's sort of played wider on the left-hand side. But it is much more noticeable if you go missing from a game, as Madison does at points during the game, from the number 10 position, because a lot of the ball comes through there and Leicester are relying on him as the man that can create a chance out of nothing. So much in the same way as Vardy, as I said, that he scored 18 goals in a very, not a very average team, quite an average team that had quite an average season. Much the same for Madison to have created so many chances, despite the fact that he does tend to go missing and despite the fact that he looks like he's blowing after 60 minutes quite a lot of the time. I think it's quite commendable that he that he did create that many chances. And I still see a lot of improvement to come from him in stark contrast to Damari Gray, who I think is peaked. He's there. I, think, I don't think he gets any better. Madison's first season in the Prem, I think he's got, every chance of being a massive, massive success next season. I would say on the whole, he's been a success this season, but I think he can really kick on next as well. Yeah, I I, I largely agree. It, it does make me laugh when you see um, when you see Sky Sports or general national press and their coverage of Madison, slightly OTT somewhat. Is he going to be in the England squad? I, I don't think he's near the England squad at the moment, but... We, we shall see, and we hope so. We hope so in the, in the future. And Mark Albrighton's next, which is a difficult one for Mark because he was injured for so long. It's interesting that when he's come back in the side, he's actually kept that place ahead of Gray and uh, Barnes, who we'll talk about later. So Mark Albrighton, it's, it's, it's going to be a basic seven because he's there. He's not really played because of injury, but he's come back and we'll just wait till next season. I give him a steady six because you know what you're going to get. Always works hard um, and is a valuable player to have in what I think is the weakest area of our squad. Yes, I agree. And number 12 is Danny Ward, who played very well in the cup games, uh, saved a lot of penalties, looks a decent goalkeeper. And it's a case of we've spent some decent money on Danny Ward. It's a case of how long he wants to be a number two behind Kasper Schmeichel. He's never going to replace Schmeichel as number one unless Schmeichel moves on from the club. So it's a case of how long does he want to stay? He can stay for as long as he wants because 
he's a decent goalkeeper, and it would be a again it would. In fact, someone I don't know. I probably actually go with an eight because when he has played, he has played actually very well. Even though that was only in a few games, all those penalties, it's got to be an eight. I always think when you, I know you should rate the players out of ten based on their the appearances they've made this season and your judgment of their performances in those. But I always think if you've played as few games as him, I struggle to to be able to offer more than a six out of ten. Really, that's not any slight against him. I don't think he's played badly at all. As you say, he looked very capable in the cup games. Very good number two to have. Um, Welsh international. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't do at least another year with us. Um, you know, he's the kind of player that's going to be sitting there thinking, not not wishing for an injury to Casper Schmeichel, but, you know, Ben Hamer played Premier League football when Schmeichel got injured. So Ward will certainly have chances, you'd imagine, next season, at least in the cup games. Um, yeah, I've gone six out of ten. Uh, solid number two. Right, so moving on to number 14, Ricardo Pereira. Um... Player of the year. Players player of the year. I have gone with a nine. Early on, a number of positional issues initially looked actually very, very good and then slightly lost his way over the space of, say, six weeks or so, lost his place, come back in. All that is massively expected from a big from a signing from Portugal to come in to the club and not be completely up to speed positional-wise and physically with the Premier League, it's naturally expected. Look at N'Golo Kante in the season he had with us. for And, and, and that link is not just because of this, but uh, look at N'Golo Kante in terms of how long it took him to get in the side and also then to be playing slightly out wide, and, and then all of a sudden it just kicked on. And I'm like linking that season to Pereira's. Hopefully he doesn't move on like N'Golo did, but it's a very similar kind of level in terms of, again, taking a few games to settle and then really kicking on. And he's been exceptional since Christmas especially, or even before that. Uh, just, just really good. Going forward, you can tell he's a winger who's gone backwards in terms of his position, but he still retains all the ability going forward. Just a a real top-class Premier League footballer. He looks to be fully engaged with the team and the supporters. Um, he looks to be really enjoying his football. I think I mentioned early on about him actually being fairly decent in the air for his size, and his size, not just height. But just a one of our main assets. There's no wonder he got player of the year. 9 out of 10, and just roll on next year with Ricardo on the right. Yeah, fully deserved awards, double award at the end of the season. Um, one of our best ever signings, you've got to say, uh, in terms of the impact that he's had. Uh, and we talk about uh, a couple of players ago in Madison adapting to a debut season in the Premier League. Well, Ricardo didn't take him long, did it? He had a couple of games where you thought, my goodness me, he could get caught out every five minutes here. But he really very quickly shored up the defensive side of his game. Uh, he offers so much energy up and down the right wing. He he, he is um, the kind of player that Leicester fans love because technically he's he's pretty good, he's a pretty good footballer. But 
he works really hard. He plays with a smile on his face. Like you say, he looks like he's getting on really well in this team. Um, my rating is an interesting one because you've slated me in recent years on this particular part of the of the podcast uh, about giving half marks. Now, I didn't give him a half mark before, but I gave him a nine. And then I looked through my squad list at the end once I'd rated everybody. And I thought, he's my player of the season. So I've got to give him something that puts him higher than the other nines that I've given to Evans and Vardy. So at risk of being kicked off the show forevermore by Pete Selby, I've got to give him a 9.5 because there has to be an out-and-out highest player rating on my list just for my own peace of mind. Okay, if that's if that's for your own peace of mind, then that's fine. I will allow you that one. Not a problem. And he's my player of the year as well. Uh, I'll still give him a nine. I don't think anyone's... And it's no, going to be no great surprise. I'm not... No spoilers or anything, but no one's really has a 10 out of 10 season. And in the history of doing this, we've only had a, a very few 10 out of 10s, but uh, mainly all in one season. But Pereira, what a player. And alongside him, number 15 is Harry Maguire. Now... Harry Maguire, I say looking at the time and how long we've spent already, uh, there'll be a few which we'll rattle few, uh, through uh, later on in, in the squad, but Harry Maguire, recent reports, he's going to be linked with everyone, linked with Man City and Man United again. Will he be there next season? I, I would imagine it's probably about a 50-50 chance whether he'll be there next season. Has he played well this season? Yes, he has, especially late on, especially in the last four, three or four months alongside Evans. Before that, you'd say probably not as well as the season before, but still playing to a very high level. Harry Maguire, it's, it's going to be an 8 out of 10 season for me because of his stature now as an England player and an, an England hero after the summer. He's... He's hot property. I would actually expect him probably not to be there. I think if one player was to go, it would be Maguire. And also take into account his age as well. He's, what, 26? He's he's ripe for a big move to, say, Man City, for example, when you can look at someone like, say, Chilwell, who could still stay at City for another year or two at least. I'm going to go with an 8 out of 10. He's played very well. He's had a good season. He's been exceptional late on. And fingers crossed... He's still in a blue shirt next year. And it's the blue one with little checks in the background, not the sky blue. I've given him a seven. And that might sound a bit harsh, but I think it's probably um, because of the high expectations that we now have of his uh, ability and his performance levels. Because we've seen it and we he's very quickly established himself as uh, an integral part of the England squad Um had some outstanding performances for us last season. So this season he's made a few mistakes. Um, I'm not talking about getting tackled when he's taking the ball out of defence. I'm I'm fine with that if if that's the way that we that we're going to play. But you know, being caught the wrong side uh, and then getting sent off as a result of you trying to recover your mistake. Um, I think some of his mistakes have had quite an, an impact on the on the team and on the results. So. When you want a centre-back to be dependable, you Wes Morgan got an 8 from me, Johnny Evans got a 9. Maguire doesn't quite give you that level of security for me this season. And it, as I say, it might sound harsh, but I think it's relative to the level of ability that we know he possesses. Um, but I also think that 
if the fact that he didn't have quite as good a season this season as he did last season might make his chances of staying at Leicester slightly higher. I don't think it's any much different to what you said there, Pete, 50-50 really. But, you know, if if you were, if he'd have had a similar season to last season this season, I would sway more in favour of him leaving the club. But because he's not been right at his peak, might work in our favour in terms of keeping hold of him. But I also think, you know, if you're Manchester City and Vincent Company, the leader that's been there for years and years and years and years and years. Maguire doesn't strike me as a leader. So to... All right, it's not Guardiola that said it, it's the papers and whoever. But to be lining up Harry Maguire as a Vincent Company replacement is just not... It's a bit unthinkable for me, really. They're both centre-backs, and that is pretty much where the similarities end for me. Maguire needs somebody able and dependable next to him. Vincent Company is the able and dependable one. Um, and he's dragged a lot of average centre-backs through their Manchester City careers um, and made them look better than they ever were or ever could be. So Maguire is a direct replacement for Company. I'm not sure, sure about for Manchester City, but we discussed this before when you texted me saying, I think we should sell Maguire. Uh, if he wanted to go and somebody offered the right price, then then yes, go. But I would like to see him in a Leicester shirt next season, no question. Yeah, I think with with him being at Man City, I can't... I think it's going to be a problem, but I don't think you are replacing Vincent Company. I think you're just buying another centre-half to play at centre-half of Man City. And if you're buying a guy who has proved he can play alongside John Stones very well, I could see it being a very easy... And who's comfortable on the ball. Not only does he give you the the height of a centre-half and his size, but also it's his footballing ability that I think would really attract him to, to Man City. And and also the, the, the fans are going to love him there, etc. I, I just think it's a very, very easy purchase for Man City. And if they come in for him, he will go. You can't, you can't turn down Man City, really. Fans who are, who are still on the back, possibly, of Mares leaving for Man City... Look, they've gone on the domestic treble. It's they're going to win trophies every single season from now until until the owners decide not to plough load of money in, and or until Guardiola goes for uh, whatever reason. It's uh, they're just going to you guaranteed success there, and I I can see him going to be honest, said fifty fifty, but I think it's 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 probably more that he will. That's if Man City come in. We shall see. Turning down Man United, I think it's a lot easier at the moment. So he's number 15. Uh, 16-17. 18's Daniel Almaty. We'll probably skip over Almaty. Not really played. We'll welcome him back next year after he's had uh, a, a pre-season. Fingers crossed everything's okay. Uh, number 19, Harvey Barnes. Very good for West Brom in the first half of the season. Come back to Leicester. Scored that goal against West Ham, which kind of got the monkey off his back in a way in terms of scoring. Has he had an impact on the team that we thought he would do? Yes. Has he been impressive? He has. Has he maybe not been as composed in front of goal, but then again, you're a young lad coming into the side. I I, I think you have to give him, for me, it's going to be an eight because 
he wasn't anywhere really near the first team at the start of the year. And at the end of the season, you're looking at a guy who is arguably a first team regular and is highly promising for next year. So I think his progression this year has been very impressive. And I think when he has played, he has been overall an 8 out out of 10. Yeah, really impressive breakthrough for me. Great return, did everything that we wanted him to do. Uh, brought all the positivity from his successful spell at West Brom into the team, injected a lot of pace, a lot of life. Uh, could He could do with refining his end product, there's no question about that. I think he would be the first to admit that, but he will do that with more game time, with more Premier League exposure, and I'm excited to see what he does next season. Yes, so he's number 19, 20s Okazaki, he's going, so we'll, we'll leave Shinji and wish him well on his uh, quest to score goals and and play in the World Cup next time around. 21 is Yuri Tillemans. Now, one thing that you might have to... Imagine if... Go back to the 90s. Who signed Dennis Bergkamp? Who signed him? Yeah. Arsene Wenger, surely. Exactly. It wasn't. It was Bruce Rioch. But he's associated with Arsene Wenger, okay, in all the years and all the success. Now, I hope in years to come, the question regarding Yuri Tillemans would be, who signed Yuri Tillemans? And the answer is Brendan Rodgers. But actually, who brought him to the club was Claude Puel. Do you get where I'm coming from? It's um, I get exactly. It, I'm following the the drift here. Yep, it, it kind of gets lost in the issue. So I went Beckham. Who gave Beckham his uh, the England captaincy? It was P- Peter Taylor of all people. But I <laughs> I just hope that becomes a quiz question in the future because this guy is mint, isn't he? He's he's a, he's a fabulous player. He, he was awful in the last game of the season against Chelsea. But I'm not going to base that, that game for anyone's um, rating. If you mentioned earlier, actually, about having uh, nine and a halfs and, and, and the highest rating had to go to your player of the year, which was Ricardo Pereira. For me, I actually give Tillemans my highest mark because it's easier because he was only there for a certain amount of games. But the impact that he's made at Leicester in terms of a couple of things. One, he fitted into the side in the position that we've been screaming out for someone. He also looks to be completely delighted and happy to be playing football at Leicester and to be quite a level-headed person. He has delivered in every single way, shape and form that we could have expected him to and more. He's not only been impressive off the field, he's been impressive on the field, even when it comes to the, the player cam in the tunnel, and he, he's marching up and down the line, giving everyone a hug and a high five, and, and he looks like a, a captain in, in, in the making. He's back in the Belgium squad. He's an absolute must-first signing. Throw all the money in the world that we've got to try and sign this guy. And also, it kind of... he When, when he started playing well, we mentioned on the pod, I, I remember saying specifically... He is a level above any player that we've got in terms of technical ability, time on the ball. That way he rolls past a player without touching the ball and yet somehow he's managed to get by someone. He is a player who, I'm not going to say almost looks out of 
it looks a bit weird in a Leicester shirt because he is so good or because he is slightly, he's, he's now what we have to aim for. So when we look at buying some, maybe a new winger or a, another centre forward or a forward thinking player, this is the level that we're aiming at now. And it's increased everyone's hope for next year. It's increased everyone's expectation for next year. And it's increased everyone's expectation for the summer and for the transfer window. And I even, I'd, I'd go as far as it might have even changed a few minds at the football club to say, we might not go for player X now because we might need to go for someone a little bit better because if we do get Tillemans, that's kind of the benchmark for the football club. And I am going to give him a 9.5 out of 10. Again, it's slightly easier because he was only on a small section of games. But I think he's been exceptional since he's been at the club in all of the ways that I've just mentioned. Could not agree anymore on what a benchmark he's set now because it's he's, it's almost set the Leicester fans up for a fall really because if for whatever reason he doesn't sign in the summer for us and he goes elsewhere, he will go to, uh, if he doesn't sign for Leicester, to a much bigger, more successful club um, either in the Premier League or elsewhere. So if he does go, there isn't anybody really else in world football that is um, gettable for Leicester City that would add more quality to our squad than him. I think that is a huge compliment to the 22-year-old. Let's not forget that he's 22. He looks so cultured on a football. Um, You look at any other position in the Leicester City squad... And you think, right, I could think of other targets that would either be equally as good as them or even better than them and add extra quality to the squad. You can look in pretty much every area except maybe right back um, and possibly, possibly in goal. But with Yuri Tielemans, I can't see where you get a better central midfielder from. There are There are few who have had such an impact on a team than than him. He, in, he enables us to move the ball forward. Without him, everything in our midfield is sideways, and that's what it was, and that's what we were frustrated with. And there are times when people say, oh, Tielemans gives the ball away too much. You know why? Because he's trying passes that other central midfielders, more restricted central midfielders, would never try, never even see to try, which I think is another a point altogether. Square balls, keeping it ticking over, blah, 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 blah. But Tielemans has threaded the eye of a needle so many times. Um, he's just a joy to watch in a Leicester shirt. He's the best central midfielder we've had in a Leicester shirt since Esteban Cambiasso um, by a million miles. And those two are probably two of the best central midfielders that have ever pulled on a Leicester City shirt. And Tielemans has been at the club a couple of months and there's no guarantee he'll ever play in a Leicester shirt again. And Cambiasso's was a bit of a cameo as well. But he's on that level. And that, as you say, Pete, is the level that we have to aspire to um, for our success in the future, for, but for also our success in the transfer market this summer. He, he's the best passer of ball we've had since Danny Drinkwater. And he's he's just a must signing. And number 22 is Matty James, who I think will need to leave the club. I, I just don't think physically he's up to maybe Premier League football. He's not really played, so I think we'll just kind of skip on from, from Matty James. Uh, 23-24. Now, it's an interesting one. Uh, Nampoli's Mendy. 
a player who, in a strange way, has kind of gone the opposite to the rest of the squad in terms of he's actually kind of regressed throughout the season after actually starting the season. Or when he came into the side, do you remember the game when he started out the blue? And he actually played really well for a month or two. Then it became clear that the problems in midfield with him and Ndidi, and we kept on echoing over and over again, like it's not their fault and it's not Mendy's fault or Ndidi's fault. At the time, it was just two defensive midfielders being asked to do things that they can't do. And Mendy, out of the two, was always going to be the one who would just step back and obviously Ndidi's flourish. In fact... Let's just throw in Ndidi as well into this. 24 and 25, the next to each other in the squad. Ndidi, slightly disappointing at the start of the season, and then has progressed because of the input of Tillemans alongside him, has actually shown his strengths in terms of tackling uh, very, very cleanly, and then easy, simple passes, and also getting around the field very quickly. They're the three main aspects of Wilfred Ndidi's game. And they've been shown to the best of their ability through improved performances and also because he's actually the one player on the side to do that rather than having two people. It dilutes things naturally. So they've kind of gone the other way. Mendy, I'm going to go... Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to go with a six or a seven. I might just be slightly beneficial for uh, on, on his side and go with a seven because it was completely unexpected when he played and he did play really well. He started to tail off. He looked very tired, which was expected after Christmas. He he, he did tail off, but he, again, I, I think he was, he was tired because of he was playing every single game in a very tough position on the field. Um, and for Wilfred and Didi, um, do you know what? I'm going to go with a seven as well. That sounds really weird, how you can give Mendy and Ndidi the both both ratings of the same. Mendy, because I think he was he surprised me in the level of his performance, and now he is definitely behind Ndidi. And I thought Ndidi was disappointing at the start, and then has increased to become the Wilfred Ndidi that we all know. And he finished the season very, very well. Um Maybe being a bit harsh there, maybe an 8 out of 10, but I'm going to go with a 7 and just hope that he really kicks on. He's played very well under Brendan Rodgers. But, uh, and then looking forward, indeed he's the guy to, to be in that position, obviously. But Mendy, and you mentioned before uh, when we are off air about whether you'd sell Mendy, it would be another case of if the guy wants to go. If someone needs, in the Premier League, a defensive midfielder, I would be, if I was in charge of a mid to lower league side and I needed a defensive midfielder, none please, Mendy could easily be a signing. He knows the Premier League, he knows he's a decent player and it would be down to him. I would keep him in the squad if he's happy there for, even just for another season. Why Why would you maybe risk having a, an injury crisis that would then maybe backfire because you got rid of Numbly's Mendy for 12 million quid to someone? I, I would keep him um, unless someone comes in with a very good offer. Obviously, on understanding that he's going to be a reserve, and if he's not happy with that, then obviously then he'll have to go, like any like most players would. But, uh, yeah, that's what I've gone for with, uh, for those two. If Mendy's happy to stay, then I would... It's a no-brainer. He has to stay at the club. He's It's his best season in a Leicester shirt. I've given him a seven. Um, 
purely on on that basis. He's he struggled. He came completely out of the blue, played really well, got a bit of unwanted and unnecessary stick for being a bit of a very similar player in in many ways to Ndidi in the limitations that they have technically. They're both technically sound footballers. They just don't quite have the vision to be f- more forward thinking central midfielders, but. Especially if if Rogers wants to play the three central midfielders with Ndidi, Tielemans and Chowdhury as he finished the season in more of a 4-3-3 than a 4-2-3-1 that we've seen before that, then um, then Mendy has to stay because he, he could be a really important player in there. You're not going to expect Hamza Chowdhury to play 38 games next season, um, nor, nor should you. Uh, Mendy, I think, could be... An important player in our in our squad, and he knows the Premier League, so it makes sense. And Didi, I think you're being harsh with a seven. I've given him an eight. I think he's had a, another very good season. You've got to consider the fact that he's still very young. Um, and can you imagine if that central midfield three starts next season? Him, Tielemans, and Chowdhury, such such quality players at such a young age. Um, and, you know, depending on which stats you look at, Wilfred Ndidi was the best tackler in the Premier League this season. So seven for Mendy, eight for Ndidi. Keep them both. Let's move on. 28. Who's 28? <laughs> Fuchs. Yeah, 28 is Fuchs, who's only played a handful of games, seven out of ten. He's staying for another year, which is great news. Great news for the squad. Um, and great news for backup in the left-back left position. And I don't really think we need to kind of... Uh, dwell on um, on Fuchs anymore because we know what he's all about. Um, number 31 is Rashid Gazzal. Oh, don't. Do we have to talk about him? <laughs> um, he wasn't signed for an awful lot of money. I think he'd probably go for about the same if we were to sell him. There's obviously... If you were lucky. Huh? If you were lucky. Maybe. There's obviously a, a skill there and there's just not a lot of belief. He's very slow comparing him to other wingers of the type on on that side of the pitch um he he is he's just a bit slow he's technically decent and i think he could have a decent career in england not at leicester for me and i wouldn't be surprised if he's moved on he hasn't featured at all for brendan rogers maybe he's just looked at him training and gone nah don't fancy him at all and i wouldn't be surprised if he's if, if he's moved on uh, it's overall you have to have five probably four five four five three. Well, I gave Ianacho a four earlier, uh, and the only reason I gave him such a high rating was because I needed a bit of wiggle room to give somebody else in the squad a slightly worse rating. Rashid Ghazali's got to get a three. He's terrible. He's nowhere, you know, you're talking about the aspirations that we have as a club. You're talking about the benchmark set by someone like Yuri Tielemans as the kind of signing that we need. Rashid Ghazal is absolutely nowhere near the Leicester City first team. Sell him for a quid if we have to. Get him off the wage bill. Get him out of the training ground. I reckon I could go down to training and do a better job in a five-a-side game than Rashid Ghazal. Rubbish football. One of the worst footballers I've seen in, in recent history at Leicester City, I think. Reminds me of Josh Lowe. Oh, hang on. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> You're going into some dodgy territory there. Josh Lowe is... He reminds me of Josh Lowe, actually. There was a, there was a good link with Josh Lowe, actually, because of his size. Because he's actually not the top... He's not, he's not that small, is he, Rishi Gazelle? He's actually got some shoulders on him and he's got a bit of height. Josh Lowe, famously scared of the ball, my all-time worst player for Leicester. Scared of the ball, <laughs> six foot two, 
built like an outhouse winger who, who was skinhead was, as well, wasn't he? He looked well hard. Oh dear, <laughs> but yeah, Gazelle. Actually, I'll, I'll go with a, you. Go with a three. I'll go with a four. But um, all right. Anyway. Luckily, we can end on a high note as we get to the end of the squad and wrap up the podcast, can't we? That's Flip true, because I've, I've, I've... If we'd have finished there, I'd have gone and cried all summer. I think I've already got the one, and that's Hamza Chowdhury now, 38. Um, yeah, that's all I've got left on the list. Good old, good old Hamza. Um, it's just, he, he's, he's that typical youngster who will improve when they're given games, and he's just... He's, he's, a, he's a good footballer with a very good... And, and the one thing I hope it continues is like a very good head on his shoulders, not just in terms of his hair, but in terms of being a very tough tackler, but very clean as well. I can see red cards in the future. I just hope he doesn't boil over and maybe with more game time and an obvious an obvious um, person to stand out in terms of his hair, but also in terms of the way he plays football. I'm just I'm just thinking... Sky Sports News at 11 o'clock during the day and they go through all of his slightly mistimed tackles and start to ask the question, is our referees now getting on the back of Hansa Chowdhury, even though it probably never existed and they're just making it up to talk about something? I can just see that maybe happening next year, but I'd love him to be playing. I'd love him to be starting in the midfield for Leicester. Local lad. Why you know he's, he's he's played very well in the few games that he has. He's got to be an eight out of ten for me because in the few games he's played really well and there's a lot of potential there. And I think Brendan really likes him and just hope he develops his game. I'd love to see him, and I don't know how whether he's got it in his locker or not, but how good he is actually going forwards in terms of shooting from thirty yards or anything like that. But in 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 terms of ghosting into the penalty area and maybe getting on the end of a cross or the old Frank Lampard Gerrard thing of of, of getting in the penalty area late and, and scoring a few goals because that's something even though Ndidi is a different player to Chowdhury and they are Ndidi is very limited yes of course he can smash one in from 30 yards once in his life or twice that's going to happen but uh, he'll slice one in the top corner but Ndidi is dreadful going forward there's no other word for it he is very poor for a footballer for for a player who's so good and Didi, he's he is amazingly poor going forward but I think Hamza Chowdhury's got a little bit more about him in that sense and I hope that is sort of a side of the game that probably doesn't get talked about at all and I'd like it to be something that this time next year we're going do you know how last year when we did those ratings out of 10 and uh, he, he, he's gone and scored seven or eight goals this season and we never knew it had him in his. He had it in his locker. He's just he has turned into that box to box player. Tillymans, he is the forward thinking player who can still go box to box. Indeed, he's all over the place doing his defensive work. I'd love Chowdhury to be that typical box to box number eight, um, tough tackling, and yeah, I, I'd love him to be one of the mainstays next year. I think on the evidence that we've seen already, he's he's very much in a position to do that. He possesses all the attributes to do that. He's never looked out of place in the Premier League. When you consider someone like Harvey Barnes was kind of prepped for it by playing week in, week out in a high-flying championship team um, and being bigged up as somebody that could come back to the club, it was kind of like it was set up nicely for somebody like Harvey Barnes. Um, ben Chilwell was brought through as an understudy to Christian Fuchs when Chowdhury pops up on the team sheet it's still quite a bit of a surprise because you kind of almost sometimes forget he's there he's had loan spells at places like Burton you know but 
but nobody really talks about him outside of the Leicester fans. Uh, and as you said, that could pr- prove problematic next season if if he plays more games. But for me, he embodies everything that that I want to see in a Leicester player. Uh, and I'm not just saying the fact that he's homegrown. It's nice to see homegrown players. Am I bothered where the player comes from when they put on a Leicester shirt? As long as they work hard, no, I'm not. But it's nice that he's a local lad. He clearly leaves everything on the pitch. He works extremely hard. Brilliantly tough tackling. He's the kind of player that can raise a crowd on his own almost, really. If your back's against the wall as a team and and he's charging around that midfield, winning ball after ball back for you uh, and just roughing up the opponents a little bit, he is everything that you want to see in a central midfielder. And and as you say, I'd, I'd like to see more of his capabilities going forward. I don't know what they are, really. I don't think we've seen enough to comment, but it would be nice to think that he had that element in his locker as well because that would make him uh, that would mean that he had the potential certainly to become a very very good all-round central midfielder but yeah it's brilliant to have an academy graduate local lad doing looking looking the part looking not looking out of place whatsoever and I think that's a compliment in in the current Leicester squad because I think it's a very good squad so fitting in so well uh, and showing your qualities in within that is is a compliment yeah, it's it's, uh, it's 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 an easy footballer to like if if he's on your side, and I imagine he's a very easy footballer to hate if he's on the opposition side. But um, yeah, hopefully, big things for Hamza Chowdhury next year. You you look through the team, and Tillemans will be an obvious person. The continuation of uh, Pereira's form, uh, James Madison especially, would be one. Harvey Barnes, another one, especially uh, to really kick on uh, at Leicester and Chowdhury, you'd, you'd you'd put in that someone like Chilwell. It's refining part of his games. Chilwell's done it. That's that's what they need to look at. They need to look at Chilwell and go, that is the footballer that we need to move from and to from all the potential to now being England's best left back in my opinion and still having plenty to improve on as we mentioned earlier but that's our what no it's what one to eleven is it it's, a, it's our out of ten for for the Leicester squad now if you disagree with this which I'm sure you disagree with every single one and the points that we made etc then get in contact at FFS pod is the Twitter handle you can find us on Facebook uh, just type in for Fox 8 podcast um tell everyone about us as well we, we never um we don't go on Reddit. It's something I, with with the other other podcasts that do all that nonsense. It's um, someone mentioned about Reddit. I, I don't think I think it's a very American thing, but I, we never really publish on there. We never push the podcast. We don't advertise. It's it just happened and it's grown naturally the listenership but obviously people who know us are going to uh, see it when we just advertise it on facebook or whatever but we never really push it in terms of advertising to the wider world if you follow us on on, on facebook or you follow us on twitter then you're gonna obviously hear about it but uh yeah maybe uh spread the word and and, and say look listen to these two clowns talking about the leicester squad now and we'll see how the leicester squad matches up in the summer now rob in terms of our Next pod, are we going to basically say that we'll do one if there's any news? So if there's a big announcement of a of, of a signing or maybe someone being sold or whatever at the club, uh, we can then use that as an excuse 
to do a podcast and then maybe catch up on any of the news. So not just if they sign anyone, it's it has to be kind of a headline. Yeah, I think that's about right. I think we've we've covered the season, the season's gone. There's no point. We're not really a, a speculation podcast where we sit and talk for hours and hours about possible transfer rumours, etc. You keep abreast of the right channels on social media um, that might be worth a retweet equally. Um, if you want to know our thoughts on anything small news-wise that comes out of the club in the next week or two or three, maybe, if nothing else happens, then have a look at the social media. I don't think we need to do a podcast until something big happens, i.e., well, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even going to say anything more. I'm going to leave it there. I think we will speak to you next time there is something worth speaking about.